heading back in to the incomparable God. So we're going to be here four weeks. We've been here two. Today's week three. And we'll finish here next week in verse 36. It's kind of the crescendo verse, which if it didn't catch all in the first three, this is the catch-all verse, all right? And we'll read that here again this morning, but we'll focus primarily in on verse 35 today. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, we started with, oh, the depths of the riches, right? Where Paul was just like overjoyed. He was just, his heart was rejoiced at the thought of everything that God had done for all people. Right? The fact that sinners can be saved was one of those things that was almost too, too good for Paul to contain. And so as he's writing these things out, before he gets to our proper response in chapter 12, at the end of chapter 11, it's just like he is lit, man. He is on fire. He's, his heart is just resounding, right, like we've talked about earlier this morning. When he thinks about there's no longer any condemnation and how the slave can be set free and how the... Uh, a wayward child can become a child of God and how there can be a spirit that indwells believers that helps them battle the spirit of flesh, uh, or the, the flesh, rather, uh, how we can render our bodies as tools or instruments for God. And God can actually use us. And he's gifted us for his glory. Like All these things start to just rejoice his heart. You ever been there? You ever found yourself almost out of place because you were so happy in the Lord? I mean, when you're talking to people, it's just like, they're not where you are. And it's not a, I'm here, you're here kind of thing. It's just, God has rejoiced my heart. Maybe he hasn't done yours yet. It's like, why are you so happy? Why are you singing? Why is there so much joy in your step? Like, what's going on in your life? Tell me what's going on. That's what's going on here with Paul. Right? This isn't, let me sit down and write a letter. The Spirit is just rejoicing his heart, and it just has to come out. Remember, it's like that two liter of Coke. When you shake that thing up and you throw it up and it hits the ground, what happens? Boom. Right? It just explodes. And that's kind of what it's like here for Paul. His heart is just fuller and fuller and fuller and it is, has to come out. Man, that's how I want to approach every Sunday, don't you? When it comes time to sing, we're not up here and we're not in here to try to perform. We want to honor the Lord. We want to use what abilities he's given us just to overflow in praise. Right? And so when I think of that, these verses here, even here again this morning, it was just, man, this is the way I want my heart to be when I sing, just to be like that two-liter Coke. It just bursts forth from me. And I still got work to do there. So you might pray for me to that end. Uh, but my mind, at least, is geared that direction. So we're going to be here again in verse 35, looking at the incomparable God. All right? Last week we talked about how we know better. All right? We know better. Your boss said, do it this way. He said, no, I know better. Your coach said, hey, listen, this is the play we want to run. And you go, no, I know better. Right? And God puts things in our hands, and he says, use them this way. And we said, no, I really, God, I know better. Right? Just ask me, and I'll tell you, and then bless what it is that I'm planning to do. Right? So we saw last week, that was kind of foolish, right? Who's known the mind of our Lord or who could bring counsel to him? The answer is no one, right? We're going to see a same concept here today only in giving indebtedness and in repayment. Uh, once again, as I've said, from, from verse 35. So with that, let me ask you this question. I know the answer, I think, already. Um, but let's just see. So anybody in debt today? I'm in debt, okay? Uh, I have a mortgage. 
We have some teeth that we're paying on, right? Things like that. Um, I'm not going to ask you what you're in debt to. Have you ever been in debt before if you're not in debt today? Right? Most people on the planet know what it means to be in debt. Unless you were born into really great wealth, um, which is not most people on the planet, most of us know what it is to have to repay. Okay? And so that's the concept we're going to be looking at today, this idea of indebtedness. So maybe you're in indebtedness. Maybe you have a mortgage. Maybe you have a car loan. Maybe you have doctor bills. Um, we probably, well, we've all got bills coming in of, of some sort or another. Um, but to be indebted means that we owe something to someone, right? So it's goods. Uh, we might exchange goods for goods, or we might have to repay with money or some sort of service to somebody. So if somebody's done something my direction and it's my obligation to repay, is it right for me to work to repay that? I mean, do we want to be promoting as a Christian culture Get big loans, just don't repay them. No, we don't want to do that, right? That's not the uh, taste that we want to leave in people's mouths that we don't handle money well or we don't handle uh, loans well, right? Um, we want to be people who are faithful stewards with what we've taken on to be able to work to repay that as we're able. Sometimes life happens, we didn't see it coming, and we find ourselves just in a bind, that's reality also, right? Our intention was not get in a bind so we can't repay. Our intention is when we got the loan, we're going to pay it back. So it's right to work to repay in an earthly setting. But sometimes we take this same approach with God, right? Like we are in some way indebted to him and we have to work to repay him. You ever tried to repay God? I mean, I understand he's not a physical presence like right here where I can give him some cash or a check. But have you ever tried to do something good to kind of get on God's good side, to make him love me again or to get on his, in his good graces or good favor? Because sometimes when my mind isn't correct, I can work that way. So I'm going to work a little bit harder. I'm going to commit myself to some more things. These people all have needs. I'm going to get involved in their life and God's going to see that. In return, there's going to be like some blessing or some favor. It's as though I'm repaying God or at least trying to get God to repay me. Um, that's the right concept on this planet. That's not the right concept with God. And we'll look at that here today from Romans chapter 11. All right, so let's go there. Verse 35 will be our focus, um, but looking at it in its entirety here together this morning. So here again, we've got Paul, like we said, and his heart's rejoiced. He's writing to these uh, early believers who've been suffering all sorts of persecution, he's reminding them of what they have in Christ, which, by the way, the ministry of reminding is super important. Paul talks about it, Peter talks about it, Jesus talks about it. The ministry of reminding. A lot of times that's just you and I reminding ourselves of things that are true. One of the great benefits of being connected with other believers is you can come alongside me and say, but don't you remember what God's Word says? Don't you remember how God was faithful in the past? That's the ministry of reminding, right? Uh, you remember Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. He's just like totally distressed. He's crying out to God. Life stinks and the Israelite people are they're just struggling. And in chapter 3, around verse 22, he says, But this I call to mind. And the result is, I have hope. Right? What stirred him to truth was just the ministry of, of reminding, and there it was reminding himself, this I call to mind. So we want to call to mind some things here today 
out of these four verses. So you can follow along in the wall or you can follow along in your Bible as we look at the bridge here between who God is and what he's done for us in chapter 12, then what is our response to what he has done? So here, here it is. Oh, the depth of the riches. And remember, this isn't, oh, there's a train on the tracks and I'm going to be late for work. This is, I don't have any other way to explain it other than like the two-liter Coke. Oh, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. And to him be the glory forever. Amen. All right, so this is kind of our benediction or doxology that we're using for 2018 to say at the end of the, year, uh, the service each week. But here we're just really trying to dig into what it means. So a few things we'll highlight today as we progress through this. So we're going to do so in line with indebtedness. Right? We sang this morning about, uh, well, what's a song we sang that dealt with indebtedness? Anybody know? What is it? Jesus paid it all, right? All to him I owe, right? Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. What's another song? You think that something speaks to you about indebtedness? What is it? He gives. I like that version. Is it he lives? Yeah. Yeah, he gives, he gives. There you go. <laughs> What else? That's right. The tune was perfect. <laughs> what about now I belong to him? How's it start? Bought with a price. I'm not my own. Right? Um, and so all these songs have connections here today. Um, the tag in Jesus paid it all. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Right? So we're looking today at indebtedness and we're looking at how that works with us giving and in relation to God as the one who, who he's just, everything is his. Right? And that's an important mindset to keep as we walk and try to interact with loans and bills and desires and wants, needs, all these sorts of things. So three things we'll highlight, all right? We're going we're gonna to frame it around our giving, but we're really highlighting God as it relates to giving here today. <clears throat> All right, so initially here, our giving does not obligate God to repay. All right, our giving does not obligate God to, to have to repay something to us. So, as we said earlier, lots of times in our life, we find points where we are in the middle of a position, we need some help, and somebody loans something to us, and so we're going to work to repay that. So, when we give to God... All right? Um, God is not indebted or obligated to us to repay. So when we give to God, does God receive? I mean, the Bible talks about us giving to God, right? They gave sacrifices and they gave uh, specific offerings. They gave free will offerings. We're told to be generous with what we have to serve the needs of others. So, yeah, giving to God is, is taught in the Scriptures. Does he receive that? Absolutely, God receives that. So why then is God not obligated to repay? If I make a loan to you, you're obligated to repay, all right? If I give to God, why is he not obligated to repay? 
That's exactly right. And so he's the author of it. Uh, he's the one who gave first. And so everything is God's. Okay, so if you're not there, let's get there. The house you live in one day is going to be somebody else's house. Right? What do we call it? If I'm going to invite you over, I'm going to say, why don't you come to our or my house? Right? It's mine. I own it. Unless you talk to the bank and they would say otherwise, right? I'm in the process of owning. Uh, so we think things are ours. The clothes that we're wearing in this country, there's a pretty good chance that somebody else is going to be wearing these clothes one day, right? Because we recycle stuff or we get tired of something and we buy something new and we get rid of something. You know, when I was in Haiti this past fall, it looked like, uh, and this is not a slam in any way, it, just, it looked like an American yard sale just blew up in that country. They're wearing all American clothes, and you can tell that it's like um, secondhand, right? So not a thing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's how we tend to work. So sometimes we'd say, these are my clothes. Well, the reality is, if somebody else is going to be wearing them one day, they're not really my clothes. What about all the stuff you have? How long do you get to keep it? So until we get tired of it, or until something demands it from us, or until we die. And when I die, what happens? It just gets passed to somebody else. You know, didn't Jesus talk about that? Why are you storing up all this stuff for yourself? You, your life is required of you this day, and your stuff's going to be given to somebody else. Right? But we say, no, it's mine. We'll get to that a little bit later, the whole idea of, of it's mine. But it's really not. So let's start with whom everything belongs to. So here's Job. Job 41.11. Who has a claim against me that I must pay? And this is just the cross-reference with Romans 11.35. Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. So what belongs to God? Everything. Okay? Are we clear? I can't think of his name now. I would have said it. Crystal. All right? Exodus 19.5 and 6. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant... Then out of all nations you'll be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is, what? The whole earth is mine, and you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. So maybe the Israelites had some issue with mine. Right? This is my tent. This is my camel. Right? This is my flock. You know, these are, whatever, my clothes. And God says, no, 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 no. Everything under heaven is mine. Let's get clear. Deuteronomy 10, 14. To the Lord your God, God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. So what doesn't belong to God? Right? It's all his and it's all from him. We'll see that next week. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Go ahead and claim your rights or that it's your life. You're God's. Psalm 50, verse 12. If I were hungry, this just kind of makes me laugh, I would not tell you. <laughs> and we tend to tell people when we're hungry, right? Hey, let's go get something to eat. I'm hungry. God says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and all that's in it. So he's saying, I don't need you to come alongside and supply something for me. Everything's mine. So if I'm hungry, I'll feed myself, as though he could be hungry. Uh, and then James, New Testament reference here, uh, in connection with everything as God's, 
Every good and perfect gift then is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so let's put two and two together here this morning. It just stands to reason. If God owns everything and every good and perfect gift comes down from him, when we're giving to God, we're not obligating or indebting him, right? We're just returning to him what is rightfully what? It's his. It's his, though it may be in my hands, my family, my money, my talent, my time, anything concerning me is his. So it takes a right perspective here initially when we think about what we give to God to understand I'm not obligating him to do something in return. Everything is his. Now in verse 35, we've got Paul making his statement again in the form of a question. He did the same thing last week. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who can bring counsel to him? Answer, no one. All right, verse 35, here it is again. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? The answer is no one. All right? No one. And the whole idea behind this is that it's first. God's the first cause. He's the prime mover. He's the initiator. He's the creator. He's the one who started it all. All right? So all of this began with him. He is the one who acted first. Think of it this way. 1 John 4, John wrote and said that we love God. Right? Why do we love God? We sing a song here. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Right? So we did not start out by loving a loveless God. And then he in return said, hey, that's pretty sweet. I'll love them in return. God was the initiator of love. Right? Matter of fact, John writes in that same letter and says God is love. Right? And so he's the one who started this. We just simply give it back as someone who has received. Now we could do this with many things. All right? We could talk about um, grace. We didn't come up with the idea of grace. It's not that God was hard-hearted and we were kind and gracious towards him. He says, hey, that's pretty good. I'll be gracious in return. No, God was gracious towards us, right? Romans 5.8 tells us, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated love our direction. He gave. He showed us grace even though we were rebellious or hostile or enemies of God. And so he's the initiator of grace. And he's also the initiator of giving. We didn't come up with it. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? It comes from the Father above. right? And it comes down. It comes down. That is, he directs things our direction for his purposes, and ultimately for his glory. And so when we give, we don't obligate God to repay. We're just simply acknowledging that we're rightfully returning uh, what he has entrusted to us. So no one can put God in his debt. All right? Maybe there's been a time in your life where you felt like God owed you something. He owed you an answer to a prayer request. You'd served him faithfully for many years and now something bad has happened. Happened in your marriage, happened in your family, happened with your job, happened with your health. And it's like, God, you owe me an explanation. Look how faithful I've been to you and how dare you treat me this way. Now, this past week, Friday, my nephew Mason turned 13 years old. And you know the story of Mason. Mason has a twin brother, Miles. Miles just beat him to heaven. 
all right, by about 12 years and nine months so far. About three months in, Miles passes away, right? And so I get the message when I'm showering and instantly just go to my knees and it started as prayer and it turned to anger because that's my kid brother. You don't mess with my brother and my prayer to God is how dare you? How dare you treat him this way? I'm not saying I was right. I'm telling you I'm, that's honest and I was angry and mad at God as though he owed me. We've prayed hard here. Our family's tried to serve you and honor you, and you're going to let this happen? Are you serious? Who has ever given that God should repay? No one. Right? In that moment, I was reminded of Job. <coughs> Stephanie and I talked as soon as I was able. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. And I hate that, but that's right. And that was my response. So we'll praise his name. This is hard, and I don't want to go through this. And this is my nephew. This isn't even my son. Sometimes we feel like God owes us. You know, what's the phrase we say? <clears throat> it wasn't supposed to be this way. You ever said that? It wasn't supposed to be this way. You know when we tend to say that phrase? Somebody tell me. When do we tend to say it, it wasn't supposed to be this way? When we think we're owed something, that's right. Usually it's in a, something bad has happened, hasn't it? Things don't go our way. I think to help us have a right mindset, we need to be faithful to that phrase when it's not going our way, but also when it is. What about when we think about salvation? Man. Man. Wasn't supposed to be this way. All right, what about when we think about lavish love, peace, comfort? God, I've done nothing but sin against you. My heart's been cold towards you, and I've tried to live this life on my own, and you've just shown me kindness and patience. You've comforted me my brokenness, and you've given me direction when I didn't know what to do. Man, it wasn't supposed to be this way. You know, one day we'll be sitting around heaven or working around heaven or walking around heaven. And I can just imagine that'll be the heartbeat in us. I have earned death. I've earned eternal separation from God. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Eternity with God, my Father. Right? Eternal love. Eternal peace. Eternity without any sin or consequence, like that should exhilarate our heart as well. It wasn't supposed to be this way. I shouldn't have it near as good as I do. Right? Paul here is reminding us that God is this good giver and though we give to him in return initially, he's not indebted to us. We don't obligate him to repay because it's all his to begin with. All right, our giving here, secondly, it's not repayment now for what God has given. Okay? So our giving doesn't indebt God to give, nor is our giving a repayment to God for what he's done for us. And that's what I started with earlier. There are some times in my life where I know I live in such a way where I'm trying to repay what God has freely given my direction. Now, again, Paul's not suggesting that God doesn't receive He's not suggesting that no one can give. 
Uh, he's just initially stating God is the first cause. Everything's his. And anything that comes your direction is a gift from God. But the thing is, why do we give? Looking at the attitude here, why do we give? Why do we give to the incomparable God who has given so much to us? That's implied here in this verse. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Does this say don't give to God? No. Now, it understands that we are going to give to God. But it's looking at the motivation. Why are we giving to God? We don't obligate God to give, nor is our giving to be motivated as though God is, like we're, we're working our way to repayment. And so think of it this way for a minute. <clears throat> Let's say we're going to go down to the local car dealership and buy us a new car. Anybody need a new car? No, 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 let me back up. Anybody want a new car? Let's go that route. <laughs> so uh, there's a few car lots I drive by and I go, hmm, I think my truck's getting a little old. I think I could see that happening. That, that could be a good, don't you think so, God? Right? Shouldn't be this way. And so let's say we're going to go buy a car, all right? Just a round number, $20,000, right? It's hard to believe, but $20,000 doesn't get you a whole lot as far as a new car goes anymore. So that's probably a used vehicle. And most people don't just have that lying around, right? So we've got to find somebody that does. So we either have a good friend, rich uncle, but most of us are going to our local bank. And we're asking them to loan us some money. So we're going to walk out of there indebted, but we're also going to be walking out shortly with some keys to a car, right? Now, how much money do I have to pay back? And we're not talking interest and all that. If 20000 is the mark, how long do I have to keep making payments back to the bank? So once I hit the 20000 mark, do you guys keep sending your three or $400 a month to the bank just in kindness? You know, thank you for that loan for four years. I know it's repaid, but I'm just going to keep giving you my three or $400 every month even though I don't owe you. No. We get all excited when we hit that last payment, right? When it says paid in full or we can write that on there or we're no longer, that's not hanging over us anymore. And so now our bank sends us something and a lot of times they use that terminology that says it's free and clear, right? So we no longer owe them. We have borrowed and now we have repaid and we've met what was required and therefore we no longer owe anything. Burn the note. Yeah, that's a good one. That takes me back. That was a good day here, right? Burning notes. Burning notes for homes or things or whatever, but that, Absolutely. And so when we think about this here, God is not given to us so that we should be repaid. Uh, I'm no longer indebted. And so when I think about how God has given to me, when do I become free and clear with God? When is it that I no longer have a debt that I owe? This is the work. We read it this morning, John 6, verse 29. What are the works that the Father wants us to do? The work the Father wants you to do is believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. When I become a follower of Christ, when Christ lives in me, my sin debt is 
it's canceled. Not in the sense that we're sweeping it under the rug. It's paid. The note is burned. All right? It's done with. And so in that moment, you and I are free and clear, and we struggle with that. Right? I saw some of you in this room shaking your head like this. I heard some of you say, we're never free and clear with God. Friend, what a, a hard place to try to live from as a Christian. Because if I feel as though I'm never free and clear in God, I'm going to continually be just trying to do good. I'm going to church and I'm giving. I'm trying to be kind to my family and love my neighbors. And it's like I'm trying to repay it. Remember that song? And what is it? Um, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Right? I needed someone to take my sin away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could not repay. Remember that song? I can't remember what the title of it is. But that summarizes that right there. I had a debt. Had. But I no longer have that debt. It's been canceled in Christ. Belief in Him has removed it. I'm going to pay the bank for my car but I can never repay Jesus for what he's done for me. And so I don't live from a position of trying to repay. I live from a position of thank you, Jesus. I don't have to repay. And so everything I do then is prompted by an act of worship for what's been done towards me rather than trying to get myself to a position of being free and clear. So God gives good gifts. And some of those things are meant just to rejoice our heart. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Right? And they're meant to rejoice our heart. And there are lots of other things they do as well. But they're to be enjoyed. God gives us resources, time, money, a mind, a body to be used. But we enjoy that as, right, as well, right? So he's given us things to enjoy and he's also given us things to employ. And we need to be faithful at doing those, but we don't employ things as though it's going to grant us some kind of favor or free standing or clear standing with God. Listen, you can never compensate enough. Neither can I. We can never compensate enough to overcome our sin debt. So when we receive from him, the Father says we're free and clear. You're not, you don't owe anything, all right? And that's a foreign concept to us here, but that's the way it works with God our Father. It's simply an act of worship. All right, let's go to three then here. <clears throat> our giving's about a proper understanding of our roles. It's about a proper understanding of of our roles. And this particularly relates to how we deal with what we've been given, all right? So it's connected to number one. Number one says everything is God's. And so you and I either have one or two positions that we take when it comes to everything that we have. And so let's highlight that here at this time. One is we have a view that everything is ours. And so I have a rights mentality, right? It's mine, and so it's my right to do with it what I want to do with it. I'll determine how I spend my time, I'll determine 
you know, how I use what's been entrusted in my mind. I'll determine how I use the resources that I have to the best of their ability. They're mine. And so I'll either come at this from a rights mentality, which gives me an attitude that says it's mine, or I'm going to come from a roles mentality. A roles mentality says it this way, I've been entrusted. A roles mentality understands that God, every good and perfect gift has really come from God. Though it was directly deposited in your bank, ultimately that's connected to our Father. He's the giver, right? You and I can't even keep our heart beating, right? In this room right now, which one of us, if our heart decides to stop, could, could make it keep going? None of us. We can't. Well, if you have a defibrillator on a pacemaker, that might help you along a little bit, right? That could help stir your heart a little bit. But within our own ability, when our body decides it's done, there's nothing we can do about it, right? So if I can't even control my own heart, what makes me think that I should be in charge of all this other stuff? And God's the one who allows my heart to beat, that brings health to my body, a sharpness to my mind, allows me to go and work so I can earn. You see how this all connects? So he's the sustainer of all these things. If everything is his and something good flows my direction, my response is not, it's my right and I'll spend it how I want to. It's, I've been entrusted. Now, God, how do I use what you've put in my hands? And so I don't look at this as a repayment plan. I look at this as a son who wants to honor his father. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that I'm free and clear. And that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with Jesus. How do you want me to use what you've put in my hands? How can I further your mission and bring you glory with everything you've given to me? That's the goal here in verse 35. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? So God's not obligated we are to give, but we don't do so as a repayment. We do so as people who understand that we're humble stewards of everything that's been entrusted to us. So don't try to work to earn favor with him. It just doesn't work. Uh, don't try to claim that God owes you something when you understand that everything is his to begin with. We are to acknowledge our role. Acknowledge our role. Everything that I have comes from God. So what do you want me to do with what you've put in my hands? All right? Claim your role, not your rights, and seek to honor your God with what he's put in your hands, the health he's given to your body, the mind that he's stored up within that brain. How do I use what you've given me for your honor and for your glory? So as we consider these things here this morning, it just stands to reason then that God is the incomparable God. There's no one like him. The Old Testament says that a few times. Paul's writing about it here. There's no one like him. Right? He's that bottomless well of wisdom and knowledge. No one else has that claim. Right? He's the rejoicer and the satisfier of every soul. No one else can lay claim to that. Right? He needs no help from anyone. His ways are right and just. Uh, everything he does, he does in order and he never changes. So it's always dependable or faithful. There's no one else like him. And no one else owns everything and distributes uh, as he sees fit. 
And so I'm not indebted. I've got car loans or whatever, teeth loans or mortgages. We're accountable that way. God's accountable to no one other than himself. All right, just think of that. If we didn't pay our power bill for a few months, you think somebody would hold us accountable? Yeah, somebody's going to come and shut our power off, right? They have that power over us. Who has that kind of power over God? Nobody. God's accountable to God. And thankfully, he's a faithful God. Never changes. And so we know how that works out always. So everything belongs to him and from his good purposes, he's chosen to give us all sorts of things. And these are not things that he seeks repayment for, but he wants us to enjoy them and to employ them for his good and for his glory. And so Paul writes the very next verse, Romans 12.1. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of these things, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to present yourself as a living sacrifice. I urge you to fall in line with this great God. What he says is, this is your reasonable response. It just makes sense. In light of who God is and in light of everything that God has done for us, he says, this is who we should understand God to be and this is how we should submit our lives and live for him. And so maybe for you today, it's just a fresh day of that submission. God, I've been trying to figure out how I can get more or, or I want to do more with what I have. This is how I want my life to go. Right, you can take that to the Lord, but also take there, what do you want from my life? Because more than what I have dreamed, I want your dreams. I want your plans. I want to fulfill your good purposes rather than chase after things that I think matter the most. So though we may experience debt here, though we have a sin debt, we're free and clear in Christ. So may we live from that position uh, rather than feeling like we have to repay what's freely been given.